This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Please be sure to subscribe and share with friends and family. To help support this ministry, please visit walkwiththeking.org forward slash donate. Thank you for listening. All right. Thank you very much. And hello again, dear radio friends. How in the world are you? That little greeting establishes the fact that this is your good friend Bob Cook, and I'm glad to be back with you. Boy, am I glad for the chance just to be with you and to share from the Word of God, God's inerrant, infallible, eternal Word, the Bible. Never get tired of it, do you? Always something new, something wonderful as you open these sacred pages. What a privilege it is to have the opportunity of just sharing day by day. You may just be waking up or just falling asleep, depending on when you hear the broadcast, or just packing a lunch for the kids, or just driving to work, or whatever it may be. But wherever we are, we're together in the love of God and in the purpose of God and in the truth of God. We're looking at 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. He said, I couldn't stand it any longer. I had to know how you were doing, so I sent Timothy, our brother and minister of God and fellow laborer in the gospel of Christ. I talked with you about the fact that you need not fear being alone if you're alone with God and if you're alone in the presence and, and, and purpose of God and if you're obeying God. As a matter of fact, solitude is good for everybody now and then. Helps you sort out your uh, goals and purposes. A wise man once said, if a man doesn't know what port he's heading for, every wind is the wrong wind. So uh, solitude is good. Get alone with God. Jesus said, Thou when thou prayest, enter into thy closet and shut the door and pray to thy Father which is in secret. And thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. Shut the door. Solitude. Be alone with God every day, some of the time. We talked about the qualifications of Timothy. He was a brother. That means he was saved. He was a minister. That's a Greek word, diakonos. Our word deacon. He served and he was a fellow laborer. He was part of the team. There aren't any grandstanders in God's order. We're all helpers of each other. And so what is he supposed to do now? He said, I sent him to establish you and to comfort you concerning your faith that no man should be moved, shaken up, that is, by these afflictions. For yourselves know that we were appointed thereto, for verily when we were with you, we told you beforehand that we should suffer tribulation, even as it came to pass, and you know. For this cause, when I could no longer forbear, I sent to know your faith, lest by some means the tempter have tempted you, and our labor be in vain. But now Timothy brought good tidings of your faith and love. Well, what was he supposed to do? He said, I sent him to establish you. Greek word, stay rizzo, which means to set firmly to make fast, like you nail a, a board in place. And to set firmly also means to make stable so that there isn't any wobble. And it means to confirm or establish. That's what his job was. Be aware of the fact that people with whom you have prayed for salvation and whom you have led into a knowledge of the Lord Jesus need to be established. You 
have not finished your work until you have established them. This truth is particularly emphasized by the the navigators who have their headquarters out there at Glen Erie in Colorado Springs. They they speak of their key verse as being Second Timothy two two the things which thou hast heard of me among many witnesses the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. So it was Paul to Timothy to faithful men to many others. Your job isn't done until you have established another person in the word, in prayer, in victorious Christian living, and in soul winning. How do you go about establishing somebody? Well, you don't do it by criticizing them, saying, listen, you got some bad habits there. Uh, you, the idea of of establishing a person in the faith is not compatible with the concept of giving a lecture every now and again. Rather, you find out where the person's need is and you help that person to find the answer to that need in the person and work of the Lord Jesus and in the ministry of the indwelling Holy Spirit and in the eternal truth that's found in the Word of God. So let's say you have a person that that is a new Christian and you want to establish him or her. How do you go about it? Number one, you keep in contact. Many of us, it must be for, uh, admitted, tend to forget after we've uh, had the joy of seeing someone profess Christ as Savior, we go about our business and forget all about the individual. So the first thing to do is to keep in contact. Make a date with the person to call up or to go see the individual within a very few days, knowing that Satan is going to fight hard for that soul. Satan doesn't want to give up a soul that he thought he had. And so there'll be tests, there'll be temptations, there'll be disappointments, there'll be hurts that the new Christian is going to have to deal with. And you need to be in touch, keep in touch, call up, go see, uh, invite for a meal, take the person with you to church and Sunday school. That's the first thing, keep in contact. Then what? Learn to listen creatively. Learn to listen creatively uh, to the person as they talk with you. Uh, What do I mean by that? I mean... Don't volunteer advice, but listen to see what the needs are and uh, where, they, where the person may be in, uh, in need, where the person may be hurting. Uh, listen for the, either the spoken or the unspoken things that, that reveal uh, where the need is. Um, learn to ask questions. Tell me about this. How are you getting along in your prayer life? How are you getting along with temptations? Uh, How are you getting along with that unsaved family? Nobody else in the family is a Christian, are they? Do they pick on you? What's going on? How are you getting along on the job? How is it? Learn to ask questions, but ask them in love, not prying and not, uh, not digging in, but just because you're interested. Keep in contact. Learn to listen creatively. Then what? Uh, Approach each need in the light of the Word of God. Approach each need in the light of the Word of God. It's not your opinion. It's God's Word that counts, isn't it? Let's find out what the Bible says about this. 
And then you take your Bible and you look at the passages that, that apply to the particular problem that you're dealing with. Approach each need in the light of the Word of God. And then finally, uh, for this time at least, lead your friend to action about that particularly uh, discussed need. Lead into action based on the Word of God. What do you think we ought to do about this? Well, the, it, it'll be pretty plain by then that something needs to be done. If there's an ungodly alliance, it needs to be broken. If there is a, uh, a bad habit, it needs to be overcome through the victory that's in Christ. And you teach the person how to trust Christ every minute by minute by minute to keep him or her. Uh, this matter of victory is a matter of continual trust in the overcoming power of Christ. So you approach the need in terms of the Word of God, and then you lead the individual to take action based on God's Word. Lots of love, lots of listening, lots of empathy, little advice, little lecturing. Uh, you know, there was a famous uh, Christian leader who said one time to a young person, you don't have to pray about God's will, I'll tell you what to do. Well, that isn't the way you go at it, beloved. Lots of love, lots of listening, little advice, little lecturing, little criticism, plenty of encouragement, and keep in touch so the person knows that he or she is not being forgotten, established. Make sure that the individual uh, attends and, and ultimately joins a Bible-preaching, Christ-honoring church where they'll be fed. Uh, it would be a pity to leave the individual to starve spiritually for a lack of fellowship and, and, and uh, Christian nurture. So make sure that the individual uh, attends and ultimately joins a Bible-preaching, Christ-honoring church so they'll be fed. Good idea? Now, Timothy was to establish these people, and that was part of his job. Then it said, Come comfort you concerning your faith that no man should be shaken up because of their afflictions. Uh, Paul said these afflictions. He may have made, meant partly his own and partly theirs. In any case, one's attitude toward trouble turns out to be a turning point in growth in grace and in strengthened effectiveness as a Christian. Paul said in, uh, in Philippians 1, Unto you it is given on the behalf of Christ not only to believe on him but also to suffer for his sake. We have to realize that God sends us affliction sometimes to correct us. Happy is the man whom God correcteth. Therefore despise not thou the chastening of the Almighty. We read in Job. And Job himself said, He knoweth the way that I take, and when he hath tried to me, I shall come forth as gold. The psalmist said, Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I have kept thy word. And Paul says, Our trouble works for us. He says, Our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Our affliction works for us. Have you discovered that? Paul said nobody should be shaken up by these afflictions, these troubles. And the, the truth of the matter is God makes trouble work for you. Would you trust him with that truth and apply it to your own life even today or tomorrow if you're listening to this late at night? 
Would you, would you apply that truth the next opportunity you have? When something goes wrong, just look up and say, Lord, make it work for your glory. A far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Afflictions. Well, uh, P- Timothy was to comfort them concerning their afflictions. And the, the, the uh, result of the comfort was that nobody was going to be shaken up by it. You don't have to have your faith shaken just because circumstances are not working out your way. Now, most of us tend to do it that way, however. We say, oh, I I wonder if God is mad at me. I wonder if he's forgotten me. I wonder if something's wrong. Look, I got all these troubles. No, your faith is not dependent on the circumstances. Your faith is dependent on Almighty God. And God knows what he's doing, and he's allowing what is happening to you for his own purposes and for his own glory. And so Paul says, don't let anybody be shaken up by these afflictions, because I told you beforehand that you'd suffer tribulation. And it came to pass, as you know. Mark it down in the notebook of your mind, beloved. You trust your God even if things are going wrong and see how he brings you not only through, but victoriously through them for his own glory. We'll get back to this verse the next time we get together. Dear Father, today, oh, may we trust thee so completely that even our troubles are going to reflect thy glory. In Jesus' name I pray this, amen. Till I meet you once again by way of radio, walk with the King today and be a blessing.